0: To making sure that there is a peaceful transfer of power after the election. Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very <laughs> strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. I understand and, that, but and, people are rioting. Do you uh, commit to making know, sure that there's a no, peaceful transfer of power? We want to have get rid of the ballots, and you'll have a very transfer. We'll have a very peaceful. There won't be a transfer, frankly. There'll be a continuation. Uh, the ballots are out of control. You know it. And you know who knows it better than anybody else? The Democrats know it better than anybody else.
1: Go ahead. I assume Trump's going to walk that back at some point. There's nothing wrong with him saying we're not, we're going to fight this legally as hard as we can, because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. A lot of crazy stuff is going to go on, and we're going to fight this to the nth degree, legally speaking. But you can't throw out there the possibility Of giving up on the idea of a peaceful transfer of power. No, you just can't. It's a
2: horrifying notion. Positive, Sean, you want to say something? What does he mean by the ballots? Is he just talking about the mail in stuff? Yeah, blanketing every registered voter with a ballot and having millions of ballots just out there. Which
1: this hasn't been done before in in a whole bunch of different states. The idea of sending all the ballots out. The requesting them has been done before, but the sending them all out. And so I'm looking at Florida on the requests. In Florida, they're doing the request a ballot, and it's You know, a good 600,000 more Democrats than Republicans have requested ballots, although you have about a million with no party affiliation. Um, In a very, very close election with a million more Democrats, who knows how long it's going to take to count Florida and figure out who won that state and then how much arguing will there be over, why'd you accept that ballot? That signature's not any good. Well, I think it's good. Right. Well, I don't. And, and that's going to happen in a bunch of states those issues and
2: and well this reminds me so much of 2000 when florida had specific laws about how many recounts by whom and in what manner and al gore's <clears throat> attorney said no you should uh, do additional recounts et cetera. and the supreme court eventually ruled no florida law rules and blah blah, blah. we know how that one ended <clears throat> but yeah the fact that Excuse me, uh 4.7 million Floridians have requested vote by mail ballots and this is not the blanketing every registered voter in Florida you requested but when 20% 20 25% sometimes even 30% of mail in ballots are thrown out because right. of screw ups and the rest of it that
1: would be holy cow that could be a million votes Oh yeah, the, it's almost guaranteed that millions of votes will be thrown out nationwide. Nationwide, yeah, yeah. almost guaranteed. Yeah. And so this this presidential election, <clears throat> if it's close at all, is going to be determined by people sitting in rooms opening envelopes, determining whether or not that ballot meets the standard. That's gonna who's going to determine who the next president is. Those people. Now it's going to be diffuse spread out among a bunch of different people in a bunch of different places and most of them are going to be just honestly trying to do their job but that well, is who's they usually gonna...
2: have bipartisan panels there right they have to have agreement or it goes into the disputed pile
1: but that is who's going to decide <laughs> yeah okay i suppose you know in years past you could have said well it's going to be decided by people who tally up the uh, votes that were you know made in your polling place you trusted them this could take forever. It could take a very long time. Yeah. I did see an interesting uh, article yesterday um, on how they'd, they'd contacted th- the news departments of the various networks, including Fox. They quoted Brett Bear on there and how they all know they're going to have to, you know, inform their listeners throughout the night. We're not going to have a result probably from this state, this state, this state, this state, this state mm-hmm. almost certainly aren't going to have a result. Yeah, it, it, you could. I'm going to watch because I think it's going to be interesting. I, I assume news coverage is going to be going all over the place talking about the various problems they're having. But in terms of results, there's no reason to watch on election night like there usually is. You could get up the next morning and be fine. Yeah, They are right. not going to announce the president on that night. You'll
2: get an early indication of some states and how they went, but early.
1: And just, maybe <laughs> and, well, I don't know how that would do me any good. You get an early indication that's completely misleading, perhaps. Yeah, it's just mildly interesting. (laughs) If you like listening to people talk about the
2: 4th District of Ohio, you're going to love election night. If you want to know who won anything, forget it. Which is going to be so weird.
1: Trump will have a huge lead in Pennsylvania when you go to bed. On that Tuesday night. Almost guaranteed. Biden might win the state. Yeah. It's going to be very close. But Trump will have a giant lead in Pennsylvania when you go to bed.
2: Disconcerting. That's just what we need right now. And everybody will be in
1: their informational silos. Yep, they'll be watching a channel that only feeds them what they they want to hear. Trump is announcing at 5 o'clock. He said he's got quite a presentation ready to go, 5 o'clock on Saturday, who the nominee is. Everybody seems to think it's ACB, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, that's exciting. So this is
2: uh, not terribly important, but uh, one of our uh, fabulous alert listeners hipped us to to this. Uh, I'm going to call it Spitz Creek. I'm not comfortable saying the name, even though some broadcast outlets
1: are. That's the TV show that won eight comedy Emmys on Sunday night and uh, made me go watch several episodes because I thought, man, if it's that good, i got to watch it.
2: And uh, Positive Sean, our TV critic, has informed us that it really hits its stride after the first season. So I watched the first season kind of, I thought, "Eh, it's pretty funny, but I'm tired of it. Uh, So I'm going to go back to it. At any rate, uh, we played this fabulous clip from Spitz Creek to illustrate uh, how fine it is.
3: What is that? Is that a new lamp? Yeah. I'm thinking of bringing homeware um, into the store, so that's a write-off. That's a write-off? Yeah. Do you even know what a write-off is? Uh, Yeah. It's when you buy something for your business and the government pays you back for it. Oh. And who pays for
1: it? Nobody. You write it off. Who writes it off?
3: I don't know. The government, the write-off people. What, why are we having this conversation?
1: <laughs> very, that character is funny. That's his actual son, though. Yes. Right? That's yep. actually father and son. Yep. yep. Playing father and son. Yep. Yes. Mm. Very
2: amusing bit and very original, except for this clip from Seinfeld. Is this my stereo? Oh, hey, you got
3: it. Hey, what happened to my stereo? It's all smashed up. That's right. Now, it looks like it was broken during shipping, and I insured it for $400.
0: But you were supposed to get me a refund. You can't get a refund. Your warranty expired two years ago. So we're going to make the post office pay for my new stereo now? It's a write-off for them. How is it a write-off? They
2: just write it off. <laughs> write it off what? Jerry, all these big companies, they write off everything. You don't even know what a write-off is. Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> but they do. And they're the ones writing it off. <laughs> I wish I had the last 20 seconds of my life back. <laughs> <laughs> Christina sent that along. It's pretty similar. It's, it's, it's quite similar. It, it, um, it, comedy... It's absolutely possible for something to strike two different people
1: as amusing. Remember when Conan O'Brien did that thing? He got Well, that was a court case, so he really went deep on this. He got accused of stealing jokes, and then he put out a whole bunch of different examples of uh, multiple people like him, Leno, Letterman, whoever else, coming up with the same joke on the same night. It happens all the time. It's the premise of our late-night joke-off. Parallel lines of comedic thinking. Yeah, yeah. So they're usually different, but sometimes it's the same dang joke. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Both bits. Pretty dang funny. Yeah. Yeah. Still don't know what a write off is. <laughs> um, so what they're teaching in universities, uh, critical race theory oh, and the 1619 project. They're not dead yet. Oh, uh, being taught in our universities. We'll tell you about that uh, coming up in just a little bit. Read one paragraph from something that all the professors signed on to at a major university.
2: Oh, that story is so troubling. Yeah, so incredibly troubling. Do you follow us on the Twitter? You should. I mean, it's it's a cesspool of hate and bitterness, but <laughs> it's also a great way to keep up with what's going on in the world. You just have to learn to use it properly like the, the fabulous Helen Pluckrose. Uh, who's uh, friends with James Lindsay and Peter Bogosian, friends of the Armstrong and Getty Show, and, and, and terrific thinkers and writers. Um, she tweeted the other day something to the effect: if she had to stop, she was going to stop the rest of it. Yeah, she's tapped out. And and I I tweeted at her, and and she subsequently replied and and appreciated. It. And I said, look, don't read comments. Use it as a, plat- a platform to express your views. Don't get hooked by nuts. Only a fool argues with fools.
1: You sent her a comment.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Actually, I said,
2: I said, actually, it's an excellent uh, observation, Sean. Uh, Literally, I I tweeted at her. Don't read comments. He commented in parentheses. (laughs)
1: You got to have a, I don't have it. You have to have a certain uh, mindset and ability to to argue with everybody. Um, I, I just, I, do, I don't do it. I can't do it. I won't do it. Uh, you, but you also have to remember that at least, I don't know what percentage, but a chunk of the people you're arguing with, they're they're just being that way to make you mad. Right. They don't even believe what they're saying. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so- <laughs> Maybe it's, I've been doing this long
2: enough. And, you know, back in the day, we'd have callers who were just obnoxious and there was no getting through to them there was no trading ideas they were just obnoxious so you hang up maybe it's that you know i don't i don't need to convince some jackass of my point of view especially if i get the vibe that he has no interest in hearing it so i I was trying to communicate that
1: to her quit wasting your time all levels of education they're trying to force this critical race theory and the 1619 project and all this stuff they're trying to force it on us got a good example of that coming up The Armstrong and Getty Show. By the way, you know who's going to be voting for the first time ever this year? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson tweeted yesterday that he, he's proud he will finally cast a vote in this election. And I think that's great. If for no other reason than I want to hear Mike Tyson say the words participating in a democracy. Oh, wow. wow. That's just a wow. attacking a man's speech impediment. That's that's weak. Yeah, that is. That is that's not weak. Not cool. Breaking. Says a couple of guys who watched an old man poop his pants a few minutes ago. <laughs> wow. On a video. Wow. I just you didn't have to put it like that. Uh, breaking
2: news. It's not donkey worthy, but uh, the headline: crowds boo Donald and Melania Trump at the Supreme Court as they pay their respects to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh Hinsford. my God. These We're, are different times. Yeah, they man. are.
1: We these are different times. Oh my God. We are indes- yeah. This is—it's coming apart. Honor her wish, the crowd yelled. Honor You're her an idiot. Wish. You're an idiot is a perfectly good response to that. Shut You're up, a idiot, moron. Oh my God! Come on, what a <sighs> joke. We're coming apart, and I don't know what could even possibly be done to stop that from happening. Anyway, more on that later. Well, this is part of it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Critical race theory, uh, we, we've talked about it a lot. If you don't know what it is by now, I don't know. We're, we're, we're reading a book about it for our little book club that we're going to discuss at some point. I'm obsessed with it. I just think it's a fascinating thing going on in America right now. And um, it's its the racism, anti-racism stuff um, that a lot of your most prominent lefties say is bull s. I mean, it's just... Bull ass, it's just crap. It's
2: completely racist. It's wildly illogical.
1: Matt Taibbi, uh, Sam Harris, Bill Maher, James Lindsay, some of the most outspoken, prominent lefties in America who th- who say, this is just crap. So this, this is not Trump supporters, all right? <laughs> because it is crap. And uh, uh, a Joe Getty of the Armstrong and Getty radio show tweeted out yesterday, An American university letting its students know loud and clear that there's only one correct way to think. God help the student or teacher who dares to speak the truth. That's That's some good writing. I'm glad I did it. Retweeting James Lindsay, who said, University of Kentucky wants us to know they're all in on anti-racism, presumably based on critical race theory. This was signed by all its deans. Here's the paragraph from a long letter that they signed. Is University of Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, listen to this, folks. Unanimous. Make no mistake, as university leaders, we are devoted to being an anti-racist community. This is not a questionable concept. There are no sides to this argument. There is not a neutral position or room for intellectual debate. There are only two choices, anti-racism or racism. We are clear as to where we stand, underlined. That whole game, of course, is if you just say, you know, I'm I'm not a racist. I don't even see color. I treat everybody the same. You are a racist because you're not officially anti-racist. What's anti-racist? We'll tell you when we feel like it. Right. (laughs) And we'll make the rules, and then you'll do that, and then we'll change the rules and tell you to do something else.
2: We got a note from uh, a listener who has to show up for mandatory training in anti-racism. And the required reading is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, who is a crackpot of the first degree. He tweeted uh, the other day, the law is lawless and it has been ever since the law replaced the master. I mean, he sees absolutely everything through the lens of race and slavery, ignoring the fact that there have been laws and law enforcement and traditions and taboos in every society going back to prehistory. The idea that the law has replaced the master. Well, see, the, the idea is they seize power. And institute a new Marxist reality. And anything that resists them, if you defend anything that they say is counter-revolutionary, you are a racist. The only way to be anti-racist is to agree with every single thing Ibram X. Kendi says. Or get on your knees and beg for forgiveness.
1: So uh, the whole anti-racist movement isn't specifically critical race theory. It came out of that. Um, I don't know that Kimberly Crenshaw is involved in that, but she is the inventor of critical race theory. And um, James Lindsay throws around her name like it's an epithet. Um, And so I turn on MSNBC last night and who are they talking to? to discuss the Breonna Taylor ruling that came out yesterday and the the unrest in the streets and everything like that. But Kimberly Crenshaw, that's their go-to correspondent for this story, the inventor of critical race theory. Wow. And and her whack job theories that this is just a racist country shot through top to bottom, always has been, always will be. There's nothing you can do about it. White people are born racist, et cetera, et cetera. That's your go-to on MSNBC for some coverage of what's going on in a court case. Wow.
0: Woo-wee!
1: Wow. That is out there. It's like going to Elijah
2: Muhammad, you know, and it's just and I'm, I'm heartened that there are at least some voices on the left, black and white, as well as plenty of uh, moderate and conservative black people who are saying as loud as they can, this stuff is bunk and it's dangerous. But the white guilt crowd on the cable news, I mean, they've embraced it completely. I don't Partly think they, they want to hang on to their
1: job. I don't think they understand it. I think that's true, too. They don't know what they're doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're right. Yeah, they're just parroting the talking points. Supreme Court and Obamacare coming up.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: And this point, the reason the president... And Leader McConnell are moving forward so quickly is because they want to overturn the Affordable Care Act. And when people understand and they do what this means in their lives, no more benefit of the pre-existing condition. No more having your children be on your policy until 26 years old. No more having Medicaid expanded to cover long-term health care and the needs of our children uh, with pre-existing conditions. And returning to a time where being a woman is a pre-existing medical condition. The people know that. And that's why they're, the Republicans are rushing. They want to get it done so they can overturn the Affordable Care Act.
1: So the very was that sw- when Jerry Nadler pooped himself? Oh, off? geez! Right then, the very smart and crafty Nancy Pelosi uh, clearly decided on the Sunday shows and sense that the way to handle this Supreme Court thing is we can't we can't stop them, but we just got to make it uh, people scared of uh, a Republicans uh, not, not having the Senate because with the with the Supreme Court and the Senate they are going to destroy Obamacare. That's what the Supreme Court is going to do. And then so then I was listening to one of my favorite right-leaning but fair podcasts and they said, "No, that's way way overstated." And I thought, "I have no idea." What's up for discussion? But I know somebody who does know.
2: Indeed, that would be Craig Gottwalls, Craig the Healthcare Guru, uh, formerly known as Craig the Obamacare Lawyer, Attorney, Law Benefit <laughs> Consultant, and uh, the uh, the Keeper of the Benefit Revolution uh, website, et cetera. Craig, how are you, sir?
3: I am well. How are you,
2: gentlemen? Oh, just just terrific! freaking really?
1: awesome, dude. It's twenty twenty. <laughs> You're really, man.
2: really yeah. enjoying the news cycle, feeling close to our fellow Americans. It's just smooth sailing. Everything's going great. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, what? Uh, what is your take on this upcoming decision? How is it being misreported? What, what's
3: the reality here? Well, this thing has been potentially the most misreported story on, uh, on the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, whatever you want to call it, because... Um, we, we really have not had an individual mandate ever uh, going way back to the beginning of Obamacare. They put an individual mandate in. The logic was you need to have an individual mandate because you got to have the healthy people buying in as well as the sick people so that you balance out premium and insurance works as it's intended. And we don't end up with what they labeled a death spiral. Right. So that's how insurance works. But if you'll remember all the way back into the, into the early 20 teens, Immediately, once Democrats passed this law, they realized, whoa, whoa, it is not politically popular for us to be fining our constituents who cannot afford health care. So at peak lunacy, at peak insanity in Obamacare, they had administratively, not through the legislature, but through bureaucrats in D.C., they had created 32 different exemptions to the individual mandate. And it was wonderful things like, Things that said, if you've received a PG&E shutoff notice in the last six months, you don't have to buy Obamacare. If you had a death in your family last year, you don't have to buy Obamacare. And our very favorite one, our very favorite one was, if you feel – yeah, that's right, feel – that the exchange plans are more expensive than what you have available to you otherwise, then you don't have to buy Obamacare. I don't think the I word feel like fe- f- I don't I don't, don't think hear.
1: the word feel should be in any government statute of any kind.
3: And so
2: eventually, okay. uh, to to skip ahead a little bit, the individual mandate only applied to two percent of people,
3: right? That's right. Ninety eight percent of Americans were able to pass the very, very low IQ test that said, <laughs> Oh my gosh, all I gotta do, all I gotta do is pretend I tried to buy Obamacare and the website was down and boom, I'm exempted. So yeah, okay. less than two percent of Americans ever paid this fine. So
2: the reason this is significant so, is because yeah. Judge Roberts cast the deciding vote saying Obamacare in the original review was legal because the uh, the penalties for not buying it in the individual mandate were a tax, and That's not correct. not a penalty. So it's okay that it came up in the the House. Was it um, that has to start all taxes? Uh, and it's it's a little legally complicated, but it's all about the individual mandate being a tax.
3: Yeah. So in 2012, the Supreme Court looked at it, and and, and Judge Roberts, Supreme Court Justice Roberts, uh, decided that yeah, Obamacare can stand. So take one step beyond on that. the the administration and the people that supported the law made the argument that, oh, we have to have an individual mandate because without the individual mandate, the whole law crumbles. That was the Obama administration's argument. So it goes to the Supreme Court 5-4 decision with Judge Roberts saying, yep, the individual mandate is integral to the law and we can save the individual mandate as a tax. All right. So then immediately after that, Democrats started looking at it, did what I said. They put all these exemptions in. The individual mandate never actually compelled anybody to buy anything. So fast forward all the way to 2017, 2018, where we passed a law. Congress, President Trump signed it. Congress passed it. It was the tax cuts law that said, you know what, the individual mandate's really a joke. We're going to reduce the tax of the individual. We're going to keep the individual mandate in there. That's fine for for legal reasons. But we're going to reduce the penalty of the individual mandate to zero dollars. And everybody agreed to it. Democrats and Republicans. It was a bipartisan passage. All right. And some very, very creative, very creative conservatives who really hate Obamacare and want it gone started bringing cases in fact there's a a dozen or more states that brought this case the most popular one is texas versus azar azar being the secretary of hhs
2: we've spoken to him he's a close
3: dear friend of ours go on he's a a good friend of the show 18 states in total actually with texas saying okay look you 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 argued in 2012 that the individual mandate was necessary Otherwise, the law crumbles, and we've all agreed now that the individual mandate is zero. So therefore, it is no longer a tax by law. There is no authority for this thing, and the law must fail. Federal court agreed, appellate court agreed on November 10th. Our new Supreme Court, with eight or nine people on it, whoever knows, uh, will hear this case.
2: So you can't have a tax of zero and still call it a tax tax. Therefore, the entire uh, act is no longer coherent or whatever, and it goes away then.
3: Yes, according to the, this is the legal argument, right? So this is these are these are professorial types in, in law in law classes saying and it's, it's creative. I have to hand it. The legal argument is strong and it says you, you saved this law on the individual mandate. The individual mandate is no more. Therefore, this law must crumble. It's a very creative argument.
2: Well, now, however. the the other side of your resume, as we mentioned in the introduction, is you're a benefits consultant. You're an expert on health insurance and company plans and the rest of it. Uh, if, indeed, the Supreme Court agrees with that legal reasoning, uh, the next day uh, are the exchanges closed and nobody has health insurance and Nancy Pelosi's
3: right. 25-year-old conditions. is on their own. Right, exactly. What, yeah, no, what, do, you, what do you suppose would happen? No, no, way, no way under the sun that happens. Uh, Let me jump ahead to the punchline, which I think will surprise you guys, and then we can work backwards. Obamacare is here to stay, at least that which is left of Obamacare. Obamacare is so dramatically changed from what they were talking about passing in 2009. This thing is completely different. It's it's way more um, insurer and public-friendly at this point. That it's going to stay. You're going to have kids on the plan until they're 26. You're going to have exchanges. You're probably never going to have an individual mandate again, which is great because that's what most conservatives and libertarians objected to was the government compelling them to buy something they didn't want. But
1: then how does it get so paid for? Way. That was the that was uh-huh. the part that paid for the whole thing.
3: Oh, Jack, that's cute. You're so (laughs) antiquated that you worry about our federal government paying for things. Okay, (laughs) Boomer. (laughs) Um, So, Jack, let's let's just play with some numbers here. And again, people are going to be like, Craig's changed his tune. Well, I've changed my tune because a few things have happened in 2020, right? Um, Obamacare was originally scheduled to cost under a trillion dollars. It's now going to cost $2 because because of all these changes, because they're not going to pay for the individual mandate. It's going to be two trillion soon. It'll be three trillion, right? It's going to grow. However, the alternative that 85, I just sent you guys the poll last night, 85% of the democratic party of of people that identify as Democrats support Medicare for all that costs $32 trillion over 10 years. (laughs) So at this point in the new world order of, we don't pay for anything. We're running our, 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 debt up to 30 trillion rapidly. I think the best thing that fiscal conservatives can do is hold on for dear life and embrace Obamacare, because what's coming after Obamacare is going to be devastating to our economy.
1: Wow, well, that is some uh, some that's some real politic right there. Well, bless my suspenders. That <laughs> <This> is, is, <laughs> is that some is reality. something. So, oh, because boy. you you told us well, you told us years ago that we were ten years out from single payer health care. It was just going to happen. Uh, I don't know how close you think yep. we are now.
3: Twenty 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 eight. I think it happens by then. Wow! Yeah! Wow! And, and again, this is this is not rooting interest. This is just me watching yeah, sure. the zeitgeist of our country, watching how we print money, watching how we spend, watching how neither of our bilateral choices, you say, Jack, give a rip about fiscal fiscal. No,
1: that that's dead as a concept. And uh, you know. I want the truth. the the core The core of conservatism is recognizing what is. If this is what is, it's what is. I mean, whether you like it or not. Um, uh, what
2: are the chances anybody loses protection for pre existing conditions?
3: Less than a five percent chance. So, you, you just
2: vanishingly not. small.
3: We've, we've, yeah, we've we've handed out those goodies. We've handed out protections on pre existing kids on the plan until they're twenty six. Exchanges with taxpayer dollars available to assist you in buying those plans. Right. We've handed out those good, we've handed out the expansion of Medicaid, right? Um, those are never coming back. So and yet, like, that is, that no, is no no the. Government ever takes back.
2: That is the democratic platform. You will lose protection for pre existing conditions.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the threat right now.
2: And you will be attacked by rabid y- unicorns. If
1: ACB's on the court, you're going to lose your protection. Women will become second class citizens, et cetera, et cetera. And there is practically zero chance of that happening under any
2: circumstance. This is why you tune in, my in, friends, to hear the truth. Yes, politically, Greg?
3: Politically, you know, that's the thing. Politically, I don't know how you Combat that Because Trump has said many times over he is for protecting uh, yep. Uh, uh, yep. existing conditions, sure. and yep. so I don't know how you combat that. Right, you know? yeah,
1: right. So what you're saying is, and this is really something, the conservative choice, the fiscally conservative choice is to embrace Obamacare right now and to try to hold on to it. <laughs>
0: That's
3: unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I really do think that's our best bet at this point because we can we can patch up Obamacare and limp along here. Now, the one piece of Obamacare that that uh, if Trump is reelected and we get a conservative uh, Congress, the one piece of Obamacare that still needs to change that would be great for liberty is. Re- eliminate the employer mandate because right now we have we still have an employer mandate where you know all employers with more than 50 employees have mm-hmm. to buy insurance it's yada 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 get rid of that and then this thing is no more than a, a, a high risk pool for 10 million people that's the other thing i want to i want to throw it out there guys when we passed obamacare we had 30 to 40 million uninsured in america okay mm-hmm. today we have 28 million uninsured in america Wow! all this it, all it this a whole lot. all this for <laughs> yeah. hardly moving the needle at all the the cost,
1: right. the political capital, the rallies, the fights, the rhetoric, all of this for really not moving the needle at all on the supposed goal of the damn thing.
2: Oh, for the love of heaven. So we will ha- have a link at ArmstrongandGiddy.com to uh, Craig's recent writings on this stuff. It's absolutely terrific. Uh, Craig Gottwalls, Craig, the healthcare guru, attorney, law, benefits consultant. When are we going bass fishing, man? Hey, you know what? The uh, the boat's in the shop. I get it back tomorrow, so okay. let's go. All right, let's well, talk. Ready. <laughs> uh, Craig, thanks a
1: million. Nice All job. Right. All right, we'll talk soon. I should say the supposed stated goal of the whole thing, because the goal of the whole thing, as we've talked with Craig about before, was to get single-payer health care. This was a way to get there. Get and everybody it has been, dependent
2: on the government and, for everything. And it's yes. been
1: 100% successful. Correct. 100% successful. Yep. Uh, okay, there you go. That answers that. I don't know whether to reach for a
2: bottle of bourbon or, or, or set a fire or just deal with it. I need to Probably understand
1: <laughs> I need to understand the entire Donald Trump tuna riff. The tuna can riff. Among yes. the other things that happened at the rally yesterday, stay here.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show. He feels good about the mask. I wonder, in the debate, it'll be him and I on the stage. Is he going to walk in with a mask? I'll be honest. He feels good about about the mask. And that's okay. You know what? Whatever makes you feel good, he feels good. He feels good. I mean honestly, what the hell did he spend all that money on the plastic surgery if he's gonna cover it up with a mask? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> the whole deal. <laughs> now, I think he'll come in with a mask. I don't know, you have no I have no idea. Will, the question is, will he leave it on during the debate? Because it's a little hard and I'm full for mess when you need a mummo, but when you're making a speech and the nearest person's like where you are. And you're on a stage all by yourself. And then he had a habit of taking it off and it hangs down on his ear as he's speaking. He feels comfortable. it makes him feel comfortable. And you know, honestly, whatever makes you feel good is okay with me. <laughs> but I'm gonna wrap this chain around your head. Oh,
3: no.
1: Oh my god. Not more violence. Uh why'd he get all that plastic surgery if he's gonna cover it up with a mask? Oh. What now? Wow. Wow! The
2: comedy stylings of political comedian Donald Trump.
1: Five days from the debate, there's your first (laughs) siloed conversation about the debate from the get-go. Because Trump's going to walk out with no mask and Biden's going to walk out with a mask. And will be off and running from there. Irresponsible. Blah, blah, blah. Setting an example. Blah, Um, blah, blah. So uh, coming up uh, next hour, got some interesting corona stuff, including this headline from the Washington Post. Coronavirus is not spreading in school with schools open. They've opened to the schools. The feared coronavirus spike has not happened. And more on that. But if that turns out to be the case, then we shut down these schools really unnecessarily and should look back with shame for centuries for having <sighs> done this. Wow. Um, but more on that later. Centuries? Uh, yeah, it's one of the weakest moments in American history where we let the government close the, stop educating our children and tell us we're not allowed to run our businesses. Right. Freaking right. ridiculous. But Stay anyway. in your home.
0: Shame. Exactly
1: right. You tell her, shame. sister. What? I like the flat affectation. But so, shame. I don't even know this Trump fish bit. I don't, I haven't heard this one. Have you heard it? Uh, No. Okay, just
2: a, just a little
1: chunk of it, chunk style. Does it need tuna. any setup, or is it just it's Trump at the rally? Positive, Sean. Uh, I think he he explains okay. it.
0: Okay. But you remember that beautiful day? It was ten days late. You had these people from CNN and other places. Uh, these are friendly protests. It's a lovely thing to say. As as he's getting rocks and cans of tuna fish, they go out and buy tuna fish and soup. You know that, right? Goya, I hope. Goya. He's great, isn't he? Good guy. They go out and buy Goya because they throw it. They throw it. It's the perfect weight. Tuna fish, they can really rip it, right? And that hits you. No, it's true. Bumblebee. Brand tuna. And you can throw that soccer. You can put a curve on it. You can do whatever the hell you want.
2: Yeah, He's wow. talking about people throwing cans
1: of tuna at police. Yeah, which is uh, not funny. Yeah, it's an, it's an odd riff. It is. Um, but that is a thing. And they are like the perfect size and weight to really fling that thing, but be heavy enough to like really do some damage. Oh, yeah, you could, you could injure somebody terribly, change their life, maybe even kill them. Um, so I was watching the the protests when they got started there in Kentucky yesterday, and we need to talk more about that again. But did you see the U-Haul truck? Everybody's trying to nail down, you know, who rented the U-Haul, where did it come from? They started unloading the signs and the shields and stuff like that. Where do, yeah. how, how how does that get organized? That's just it's really interesting.
2: Oh, it's uh, that's well known. It's just not well known in the media, and uh, and and nobody wants to talk about it on the alphabet networks or the big newspapers. It is a loosely affiliated <clears throat> uh, organization. It's a disorganized organization. Antifa and a similar like-minded people. It, thank you. Well done. Um, it includes many, many academics and uh, and professors and teachers. Somebody once told me that something like thirty percent of Antifa are teachers. Um, anyway, I don't know that that's true, um, but they have a way of getting money around. Um, and and they have volunteers who make this stuff. They package it up. They put it in trucks. They deliver it to where they're going to have a riot. Uh, Doesn't it seem odd to you that the Antifa types know where violence is going to break out, and they just happen to be there from Oregon or wherever else? uh, They need to figure out precisely who and through what means, but it's... um, it's absolutely a criminal conspiracy.
1: Joe can lay out what is true and what is not out of the Brianna Taylor story. Uh, if you don't know it, you should stay tuned for that. Sure.
0: Armstrong and Getty.